Gentlemen, welcome to the Be The Man podcast. I'm your host, Greg Denning. I am the creator and coach inside the Be The Man Masterclass and Tribe. I just finished a super hard workout, and while I was doing it, I, I did an exercise I used to do with my little brother, and it just made me think of him. He, he, uh, he took his life last year, and I miss him. And it reminds me how important it is to really live, to cherish life, to cherish the people around you, to never take a single moment for granted, to love, love, love on the people around you, and to lean into life. And it also reminds me that we need to reach out and help, well, help ourselves and, and help others stay in a good state where we don't get lost in, in that darkness that's so dark and so deep that sometimes there, there's no way out. Um, just, just wanted to share that on a serious note. So my guest today is Jimmy Rex. This guy is unbeatable, unstoppable. He's a go-getter and he breaks through, just absolutely obliterates any obstacles that are in his way. And he has a gigantic life list, massive goals, and then some crazy over-the-moon goals that he shares with us. And then he walks through how he's done it, how he's uh, accomplished just absolutely incredible things in, in life and in business. We dive into... Um, understanding rejection, and then, like I like to say, rejecting rejection, and then just going for it anyways, just trying and just just going all in, like, why not? What do you have to risk? Like, what do you have to lose? And he gives uh, tools and strategies how to do it. We talk about self-awareness and authenticity. We talk about the importance of having a mastermind, having a community. He gives specific strategies, how to stay connected to the people that are most important in life. We dive into rituals and routines things that absolutely just work and gratitudes and affirmations and praying and like starting every day with, with accountability and serving and leading and then taking care of ourselves. And this is, this is just an absolutely awesome episode. I know you're going to get a ton out of it. Enjoy. All right, Jimmy, uh, super excited and grateful to have you here, brother. Uh, welcome to the show. We're, uh, I, I know you have, we got a lot of experience in business. And in travel, which I love, and we can hit some of that stuff if we want to. But um, why don't you why don't you give us the listeners a, a kind of a background where you started, where you where you're at, and what you're chasing? Yeah, man. No, I just like to uh, you know I like to live life. We uh, we only got one of these things at least this way, and so uh, I don't know what else is afterwards or whatever. But I know that while I'm here, I'm trying to live it up as best as I can, and so. Um, you know, I've pretty typical childhood. I had a happy childhood. You know, you got your little traumas and things that happen, of course, but overall had a pretty happy childhood and grew up in Utah. Um, and then, you know, I had some really cool mentors and guides along the way. I started doing real estate at age 23, um, and, uh, hired a coach, a guy by the name of Mike Ferry. And when I got into that, it just kind of taught me everything I needed to learn, um, to succeed as a real estate agent. So my first year as an agent sold 60 houses. My second year with one assistant sold 98 homes. And this wow. was back before there was like people doing numbers, you know? And so it kind of just took off and that attracted a lot of attention from other people and things like that. And so I really got to just be around some amazing people and learn from amazing uh, individuals that taught me different things. And, and so over the last 15, 17 years, uh, you know, been doing the real estate game and along the way, I just had a lot of people reach out. They either wanted me to coach them or talk to them or help them go over marketing, networking, some of these different things that I'd been, you know, had figured out pretty well. And, and so kind of had all these different guys I would help out different ways, um, had a really cool group of friends. We were always going and doing a lot of fun dates and activities and things like that. And so 
ultimately led me to what I'm doing now, which is I have a men's coaching group called We Are The They. And uh, I launched that about a year ago. And essentially just helping guys become the best version of themselves. Everything, you know, uh, our three pillars are, to, you know, being vulnerable, authentic, and in integrity. And uh, it's a course that's a two and a half year course that goes through different levels. And, and one thing that I've always been able to do really well is just help men connect with each other. And so we have a lot of community-based things nice. um, that we do with this, a lot of adventures. So like we just went a couple of months ago and swam with tiger sharks. Uh, we jump off cliffs on rope swings. If you go to my Instagram, Mr. Jimmy Rex, you can see a lot of the stuff I that we do. I saw that but... big jump. I want to do one of those. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's pretty wild. 250 feet straight down. You feel like you're jumping to your death and then the rope oh, swing awesome. catches you and you swing through the canyon. But uh, it's pretty wild, you know, like, uh, and so we do a lot of fun stuff like that. We're going to Iceland here in a couple months. And then next year we're, you know, we're going to run with the bulls. We're going to go climb the uh, mountains in Uganda and Rwanda with the gorillas. And then eventually we're going to bungee jump off a helicopter into a live volcano in Chile, just yeah. doing things that make you feel alive, man. Um, you know, I launched a book uh, two years ago, actually August, two years ago. And, uh, it's called, uh, you end up where you're heading the hidden dangers of living a safe life. And one of the things I wanted to get through with that book is, you know, to so many people at the end of their lives, they don't regret the things they did. They regret the dreams that died within them, the risks yes. they never took, the conversation they never had. And, and, and so it just really helps people understand the power of, of going for it and getting out of your comfort zone. That's why I do a lot of these things that push the men. Oh, I love that, brother. So I, I have a life list that's always sitting on my desk. And like some of those things you mentioned, we've done. I love it. <laughs> went on the list, so yeah, I've got, my, I've got my vision board and then I got my goals. And then I have uh, what I call is a fuck it list. And it's just like some things that are like way out there. Like I want to be, you know, play at the final table of the World Series of Poker. I want to start in a major movie. Um, I want to be on the Joe Rogan podcast. I want to uh, go to the moon. Um, just crazy stuff like that. Yes. That's on that list, you know, and it's, it's kind of fun. I want to throw out the first pitch at every major league baseball stadium. Um, just things like that. Just crazy yeah. stuff. So and big ones. So, and I, I'm sure you get, you, you hear a lot of feedback and probably did along your journey, a lot of kickback, a lot of criticism. People will hear things like that. I mean, especially because that's a crazy list, right? I mean, the sure. things you and I are doing on a normal basis, people think you're crazy, but that's a crazy list. Like, I'm sure you've heard plenty of that along the way. Like, how do you, how do you process that? Because I know a lot of, a lot of men, a lot of guys you and I work with, it's a big factor. They're, yeah. they're afraid of looking like a failure. They're afraid of criticism. Like it, it can carry some serious weight, what people are saying. Yeah, I know. And for me, you know, I, uh, four or five years ago, I was at a Tony Robbins event and, um, came up for my life's purpose. And, uh, I've been trying to just live that ever since. And that is the purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children, bringing happiness to others through my playful soul. And by being an example of living an extraordinary life. Cool. And I read that every day. I recite that every single day. Like that's my mantra for life. And so I don't look at, you know, people that aren't doing those things or people that are negative towards me doing it. I've had a lot of people come at me different ways or whatever. And, and it, you know, I have a level of empathy because whatever training or whatever wiring they have, that's caused them to believe that they can't do certain things. Um, and so for me, it's more of just a responsibility. It's part of, again, my mantra for life, which is helping these guys understand they can do these things. You know, I had guys that stood at the top of that cliff, for example, I had, so in my coaching group, I have two pods of 50 guys and each guy we take to do this Moab weekend and, and we jump off that cliff. And, you know, there were some guys that stood on the top of that cliff and they were terrified. I mean, it was the hardest thing they've ever done in their life. And, uh, 
you know, the, but you see them jump and, you know, they'll be at the bottom of the cliff. Like, I love you, Jimmy. Or they get up and they're all emotional because what it does is when you start to actually move towards those things, when you put yourself in that uncomfortable place, you realize like, oh, I can do these things. Right. I'm, I know for me, when I was a kid, um, I remember, you know, little things, wins that I would have along the way. Like I would like have a goal to get on the news when the jazz were playing the bulls in the, you know, in the NBA finals. And I did it, you know, and you're like, Oh, cool. I made that happen. And then it's like, um, you know, I remember I was a giant Chris Farley fan and when he died, me and my friends, we started the Chris Farley fan club. And I remember like, I was like, I want to get some attention with this thing. And, and so I started reaching out to different people. I got a hold of his brother wow. and, you know, like when I was pretty young, still like probably in my early twenties, uh, Chris Farley got a star on Hollywood and they invited us out to be a part of it. And so like, we're wow. hanging out with David Spade and Chris Rock and all these guys, Adam Sandler. And, and, you know, and you're like, man, I made that happen again. And I just kept putting myself out there. You know, I'd go to a concert and I'd like make it a mission to, to be on the front row if I, if I was going to get tickets and I'd make it happen. And, um, I remember me and my buddy, a couple of years ago, we went to the a Super Bowl. My buddy, Kyle Van Noy was playing middle linebacker for the Patriots and got me some field passes and stuff for after the game. And, and, but the night before there's this big, uh, party for a uh, Victoria's secret party at the Super Bowl, And me and him went. And the only thing we wanted to get out of this is we're like, dude, so Emily Ratajkowski, who was like my favorite, you know, at the time. And, and his was, uh, uh, Ambrosia. I don't remember her first name anyways. And, but she was like his favorite Victoria's secret model. And they were the two guests at this party. And so like you go in the party and it's like 5,000 people. And then there's like a VIP section with 500 people. And we made it a goal and we got in, we're like, dude, our goal is to be at their table by the end of the night. Cause then there was a wow. stage with like 50 people, then their table on the stage with like five people. Right. And so we just start weaseling our way into it, dude, just conniving in and we end up in the VIP and then we end up on the stage we're at their table, like outside the ropes though. And it was so funny. And, and my buddy, he's married and his wife's like the coolest uh, woman ever, but he's like, there was this gay guy. He, he's a very attractive man, my buddy. And there was a gay guy that was her best friend of uh, Al Alessandra Ambrosio is who it was. And so my buddy's like, you know, talking to him and he's totally flirting with my buddy. And, and he's like, he's calls his wife. He's like, he goes, honey, I need some advice here. I need to know what to say to this guy and like how to make this happen. And next thing you know, sure as shit, we're the two people at the table and we're just hanging out with these guys and, and these girls, you know, and, and so like one thing after another, you just kind of have these little wins. And then, you know, the next day we go to the Super Bowl and we had tickets for after like the after party to go party, but we just run out there and we'd ran past security onto the field and Patriots came back from down 28, three. And we're on the field with my buddy. He's like, how'd you get down here? I go, we just came and you know, nice. make shit happen. And so like, I think it's just a process of, you know, when other people see barriers, I see doors and I'm just trying to make things happen. It's at the end of the day, I always say, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? So let's, let's say it doesn't work. Okay. Well, it's a fun adventure anyway. So I think just trying to be in that mindset of, of, you know, instead of saying like, this can't be, it's just like, all right, how can we make this happen? And you just live an interesting life. Yeah. And it's switching that, that question. Like it's, I can't do this. How could I do this? Mm -hmm. So, but give us, give us some tactical stuff. Cause I know there are people listening and they're like, okay, wait a minute. Uh, and I'm interested if you are like into metaphysical stuff, like attraction manifesting, of course, but yeah. also just like I'm hustling and I'm not taking no for an answer but give us some, like, what are some palpable things that people can get a hold of to start being more, I mean, you can, I can tell you're a force of nature. Like if you're like, I set my sight on something, I'm just going to keep pounding at it. 
Yeah. Well, I think the first, so I think the first thing is getting clarity, right? I think most people, so one of the first questions I ask everybody that I coach is, look, let's pretend you could make everything in your life go right for the next five years. Like whatever you touch turns to gold, every door opens, whatever you want to happen is going to happen. What would your perfect life look like five years from now, if that was the case? And most people can't answer the question. They don't even know what their dream life looks like. So it's like, well, let's start with that. What do you actually want? And then you kind of get to like, once they think they know what they want, they say, okay, well, why do you want that? What emotions are behind that? What, what background do you, or what are you trying to accomplish with that? What would that do for you? What experience would create that emotion that you're trying to create? And so you get really clear on all that stuff. And a lot of stuff you realize like, okay, this is what I want. This is why. So then once you know what you want, then it's simple as like, all right, now I just need to start working towards being that person. So I say, how would that person act today? If you were that person five years from now, who would you have to become to make that life happen? How would that person walk? Who would that person hang out with? What kind of experiences would that person be having? How would that person work? How would that person think? And then I say, now start being that person, just start working towards being that person. And eventually the gap kind of closes and you start to morph into that person, which is a higher version of yourself. And so that's a tactical thing that I think, you know, that you can share with people there is because ultimately if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, most people, I would say 98 to 99% of men, especially are just waffling with whatever comes into their life, right? They're friends with who moved in next door or who they went to school with as a kid, or they're, you know, they, they work at a job that because it's fine. Like I was talking to two guys the other day and both of them have really good jobs. One's a lawyer, one works for a big tech company, one of the top five in the world. And, and both of them were just kind of like talking about how they don't really, they're kind of over it. So they'd give like a, kind of a shit effort because they get paid regardless the same, whether they put in more effort. And I was kind of like, damn, that's, that was sad to me, you know? And I was like, I'm homies with these guys and they're amazing humans. And it's like, guys, it's time to, it's time to change them. Like, you know, like I, you can only waffle through life so long. If you want to have an extraordinary life, you got to do extraordinary things. And so, and for a lot of people, you know, like I have a brother, my older brother, that all he's ever wanted to do is be the best dad and husband in the world. And he is. And it's like, I have so much, um, uh, like honored towards living that way. And so for, I think a lot of guys, you know, I think what, where people get in trouble is it's so easy to distract ourselves. So he spends all this time with his kids, with his wife, doing things, camping, going into nature, coaching, doing all these types of activities. Whereas the average person I think is like, the kids are a lot of effort here. Here's the, you know, a movie to go watch, or here's the video games or whatever that might be. And they distract themselves with other things. And ultimately you kind of get what you put into this life. And so if you want to have an extraordinary life, you really got to put yourself out there. And I think another tactical thing I could share is, you know, I play the, what's the worst case scenario game. And I think that I just, I started doing this at a very young age. So when I was in high school and college, I had this game that I would play. If I saw an attractive woman, an attractive girl, I had three seconds to go talk to her. I had to do it. And I just did it every time I'd go up. And a lot of times they weren't interested and sometimes they were, but if I talked to 10 a day, like I always had four or five dates a week, you know, and I ended up going on over a thousand first dates in my twenties and early thirties. And it's like, you just end up having a lot of opportunity, but I, I would play this game. Like what's the worst case scenario. And I was very logical about it. I said, if I don't go talk to her, it's the same as if she said no. Right. And, you know, and I think learning to understand rejection is a huge thing. Um, in another life, I was, I was Mormon, grew up that way. And I went on a Mormon mission and for two years straight, all you're doing is knocking doors and you're getting a lot of doors slammed in your face, you know, and I never took it personal. And then when I got into real estate, I built my entire career calling for sell by owners. I'd call 30 every single day. 
And I just didn't care. Like the, I had an wow. outcome. I was trying to get one appointment out of 30 calls. That was my goal every single day. And it's, if I got- It's a genius numbers game. It is. It's just yeah. a numbers game. And if you can get outside of the personal rejection side of it, like I would try to teach other agents how to do it. I'll give you an example. One time, this guy came to shadow me. It was a buddy's dad. This guy had been a very, very successful builder and made millions of dollars every year. Well, the market collapses and he loses everything, right? Yeah. Um, just like every builder basically did. And this was in 2008. And it's- it, but uh, my buddy called me up because, hey, my dad likes to, he's trying to get into real estate. He just got his license. Um, would you be interested in having him come work for you? And I was like, well, maybe. Like, why don't you have him come shadow me for a day or two and let's kind of see how it goes. And so he comes to watch me work one. And this was a guy that had a lot of pride. I mean, he'd made a lot of money. He was very successful. Sure. He's now very successful again. But in this time, he just lost everything, right? That's tough. And I was the best in the country at calling for sale by owners. I mean, they would put me on stages. Keller Williams put me on the stage, you know, a national training that they would send out to everybody calling for sale by owners. Mike Ferry, the top real estate coach, would put me on and, and have me do this role play because I was so good at it. And this guy didn't realize that I've called 10,000 for sale by owners at this point. Right. So he <laughs> comes in to shadow me that day and uh, and he watches me for an hour and he literally says to me, he goes, Jimmy, just imagine if you're this good at this, just imagine how good I'm going to be at this. <laughs> and as soon as he said it, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> this guy's going to get a piece of humble pie that he did not know he needed. Yeah. And so the next day he comes in, I give him his list of for sell by owners to call. And I said, Hey, let's, you know, call for an hour and then we'll meet up and let's talk about how it went. He comes in after an hour and he had this like briefcase with him and um, that he had his stuff in. And I remember we were sitting there and I looked at this man and it was a broken man. This was his rock bottom. And he looked at me and he goes, I cannot believe the way they talk to me. They'd have no idea who I am. And I'm like, they don't give a shit who you are. And, but the pride that he had, the rejection that he was personally accepting, that wasn't personal. He was accepting it as if they were rejecting him. They just rejected the idea of some random ass calling him on the phone. So he goes, I'm going to go get a drink. I'll be back. I looked at my assistant and I go, he'll never be back. Yeah, he's done. He and he's like, bullshit. I said, watch. He never came back yeah. uh, because he was taking Tied to his identity. Yes. Yeah. yes. And so that's what I'm trying to say is like, if you take it personal, you're going to feel that and you're not going to do it. You're going to feel that rejection. But if you realize that they're not rejecting you. So like when people come at me, like my lifestyle, my way of being, or like even my coaching group, you know, there people will just, and what it really is, is when people like shit on what I'm doing. I've put a mirror in front of them and there's a part of themselves they don't like because happy people don't criticize others. They don't. They're too busy building. I'm not going to go on the internet and start talking shit about random people because I'm over here building something. I'm a happy guy. Yep. So when people come and they come at me or they're, you know, try to attack me in any way, I realize that these people are really, it's something in themselves they don't like. And all the time, guys will come up to me and they're like, man, I used to hate you, but I <laughs> kind of got to know you. And now I actually think you're pretty cool. And it's like, and I'm, I never am offended by it because I get what it is. But I think that's where people get in trouble, you know, is this idea of like, they're too attached to what their life is supposed to look like, this outcome that they're supposed to have. And growing up in a very religious out household, I, this was my entire life. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. This is where you're from. This is why you're here. This is where you're going. This is right. This is wrong. Everything's kind of mapped out for you. And there's this huge expectation on how you're supposed to live. And when I broke out of that, I realized that pretty much all pain in life comes from unmet expectations, like what your life is supposed to be or what it's supposed to look like. Because if you can embrace it all as a beautiful mess, then when shit's hitting the fan or things don't go your way, like, yeah, you will have bad days and you'll have hard times. You'll have stress, but you can kind of accept it all as like, huh, this is kind of cool. Like I'm learning right now, you know, like in real time, I've, my buddies, we were just in Norway and it was so funny. They were laughing at me 
be, my three of my high school best buddies, we go do a trip every summer with my high school friends and we're sitting there and some things that happened that were not going our way. We'll just say that. And I was just working through it and like, they, you know, and I kind of justify it. I'm like, oh, this will end up being our favorite part of the trip or whatever it might be. And they were laughing so that hard. And they're like, I don't know how you do this. Like, it's one thing for you to teach people how you keep a positive mindset, but you are thoroughly enjoying the shit storm that you're in right now because you're just in the middle of already understanding that it's a growing ex- thing, you know, or, or it's a story that you can tell later. Exactly. And it's going to be like, a I wish good every- story. Yeah. They're like, I wish everybody could see you like live because this is really what you're doing. And they were just like, it's a treat. And is it so like, there's, it seems like there's a part that part of you just, it just doesn't, you don't care. Not, not that you don't care that you're numb or not feeling, but you're just not going to give it more weight than it deserves. Does well, you that- care, you care, but it's like, so here's what I, the well, if a handicapped little kid came up and started kicking me in the leg, right? I'd feel it, but it's not going to hurt because there's no emotion attached to it. Like the only reason stuff hurts is if we attach meaning to it. Like, so if somebody's coming at you or somebody's trying to hurt you, like it only is going to hurt if you have meaning attached to it. And like, obviously, you know, it doesn't feel good. Sometimes you're like, why are you kicking me? But at the end of the day, you, you can just pat them on the head and be like, God bless you. You don't understand what, you know, what I'm doing here. And so, that's the way I look at it. I mean, anytime you start doing big things, you'll get a lot of random people. I was, I was sitting on a plane two days ago. I was coming back from uh, LA. I was down there with some buddies and uh, I was sitting next to a guy named Keaton Hoskins. He's a coach as well. He goes by the muscle on Instagram and we happened to be sitting next to each other on the plane and we pulled up this thread. We were part of this conference back in January and neither of us, we were laughing because both of us just thought it was an entrepreneur conference and we ended up, it ended up being called AlphaCon. And he got in big trouble with his business partner because he owned FitCon. He's like, bro, how are you going to speak at a thing called AlphaCon? He goes, I didn't know what it was called. And I didn't either. But next thing we know, we're 10 white dudes on a flyer called AlphaCon. I'm like, oh, my hell, this is so not the message I'm trying to put out there. And the kid throwing it, God bless him. He just didn't understand marketing. He didn't understand how bad this looked, right? But we were just laughing. So we pulled up these old threads off of Reddit that were people just trashing us one after another and oh my god they were so funny one dude he's like jimmy's a chubby fat idiot that uh realtor you know they're just like going off and we were laughing so hard we were just the whole flight we're just reading these to each other and uh anyway so you know it's it's, personal not care well they don't know me I, I, i can say this all the people that know me seem to really like me so i don't really care if the people that don't know me don't think i'm worth getting to know so and and we'll throw out what do they do so I, I want to go back to something you were saying earlier, like how, how did you, be, you became really great at, at that. And I'm sure you're really great at several things. What's the process there? How do you become like genuinely top-notch world-class? At well, it's, so I think the, one of the most, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about all this time, but I think self-awareness is probably the most important thing you can have, like really understanding where you're falling short. Um, you know, last night, I'll, I'll just give you an example. So I got three of my best buddies together my buddy, Travis, Steve, and Jeremy, these guys are all ballers. All of them are, you know, multi-million a year earners, amazing wives, amazing families, amazing dudes, just best friends a dude could ever ask for. And we get together once every couple of months and we just have like a round table. We sat there last night from 7.30 to 10 at night. And we all took 30 to 45 minutes going through a problem, either in our personal life or our business life nice. that we're having. And we just act like a board of directors for each other. And we're just helping each other talk through these things. You know, and I'm very aware of where I'm falling short. Like I have a whole team of coaches and mentors and people that I reach out to. I have my life coach, I have my energy healer lady, you know, and, um, and so I've been willing to look 
like, and I had a dad, like my dad was the best guy, but he would just blame people for the mistakes or the problems in his life. And it was, always drove me nuts. Even when I was a little kid, I was like, dad, why, how can you not see this? Like, this is you. And, and so I've always had this self-awareness where I'm just like, trying to become the best version of myself. Like no matter what anyone else says about me, like it's why as even when I left the religion of my youth, you know, I was like, I was like, God is going to take me because he knows how damn hard I've been trying to get this right. Like yeah. if I doesn't accept me, then he's not accepting anybody because <laughs> I might be wrong about my approach, but nobody has tried harder to get it right. Like I have worked so hard to just try to do this life right. And it's like, if he doesn't honor that, well, then he's not the God I believe in anyway. So it's I like, I love that. Well, yeah. And it's like, ultimately that's all we can do is try to better ourselves every day, you know? And so I don't know, I think being self-aware and just being willing to reach out, like, you know, I, I have this coaching group. And again, one of the things that we talk about is vulnerability and authenticity because the guy that comes in and acts like he's never done anything wrong. The guy acts like he's no, got no problems or he's got his shit together. He can't be helped. You know, we had a guy recently exactly. that I unfortunately had to take out of the group and he never got to that point. He he was trying to cover up past things that had happened in his life, which every one of us wouldn't have cared. Like we're there to help each other. But instead, he built a grudge with one of the other guys in the community because one of the issues he'd had in the past when he got in trouble with the law and stuff was with that dude's brother-in-law as a business partner. And he just didn't want anyone to know. So he wouldn't create this relationship. And, and that's not what the group's all about. So we had to remove him if he would have just came and been authentic and been vulnerable and said, Hey, here's what's happened. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Every one of us would have accepted him. But so we put on this armor because we don't want people to think we have problems or something's wrong with us. But ultimately, you know, my life coach a long time ago, this woman named Melissa, she told me, she said, Jimmy, you're most lovable when you're vulnerable, authentic, and in integrity. And so they became pillars of my life. Yeah. I just said, I'm going to be willing to admit I'm wrong. I'm going to be willing to show people my weaknesses. I'm going to be willing to be like, yeah, I don't, know why this happened to me. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm here to try to figure it out. And so I think just having that self-awareness, being willing to um, always look at what you can do to improve. I think that's where that, you know, where ultimately you get to places where you find yourself in a really good place because you've worked through so many issues that you've had and you've been willing to take advice and, and listen to people that, you know, that you trust and love. So man, that's beautiful, brother. You said some awesome stuff there. I know the the men you work with, the men I work with, um, some of them have a hard time with with the vulnerability and the awareness because it's painful. And I think I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think sometimes they attach that to their worth. Mm. And so yeah, I, I guess I, I would love your thoughts there. Of like, how do you how do you have that just total honesty with yourself of where you're falling short, where you're weak, but not not let that affect your worth because it doesn't. It's not stopping you. You make a mistake, you fail in something. It might be some good stories there to share, but you found something you're not like, ah, oh, crap, I'm out. Like, I'm not chasing my goals anymore. I'm not, I'm not pursuing my life dream because man, I have this weakness. Sure. And you know, and it's, and again, it's not like there's like this moment where you get it. I think it's constantly surrounding yourself with positive people. And you know, like one thing that I, I'm very grateful for is one of my first mentors taught me um, to read positive books. He said, yeah you know, nothing's going to change your life more than the, the people you meet, the places you go and the, the things that you read. And so yep. if you're dumping positive information in your mind all day, then when bad things happen, you're like, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I know what this is. I know how this is going. And you're reading about, you know, one of the things I love to do is, is to get audible and uh, listen to biographies of, of famous people or people that have made Same. it right. Yeah. And what you realize with all these stories is the beauty is in the, the falling down and getting back up. I mean, my favorite movies were, 
Shawshank Redemption and Gladiator and Braveheart. It's like, you know, we're really terrible, awful things happen to these people and it's the perseverance through it. There's the triumph. And yeah. so when bad things happen and you know, when the real estate market collapsed, I'll give you an example. People would say, they say this to me all the time on podcasts, like, how'd you get through that hard time? And I kind of laugh. I go, I don't know. What was the other option? Be a loser. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I wanted to have a great life. So I just kept going. It's not like this conscious decision you have to make every day. Like, Oh, I'm going to get up and keep going. It's like, no, I know I'm awesome. I'm going to go create an amazing life. And by to do that, I have to go work my ass off. And so it, when bad things happen, you're like, all right, I guess we'll keep going, you know, and, and oh, go do, man. go do something else. That's so cool. Good. And it's it's so simple, right? It seems almost elementary, but you have a conviction of like, well, what what's the alternative? You know, am right. I gonna live like, an okay <laughs> life? Am I gonna get to the end of my life and be like, I was okay? I was I, like mediocrity was awesome. You're like, no, man, I'm not gonna settle, I'm not gonna back down. Yeah, and you know, and that's where self-confidence comes from because you go through I went through that real estate market collapse. I mean, it was brutal. I yeah. I was, you know, oh my gosh, like I mean, I lost so much money, so much, you know, there was so much it was so hard to sell homes. I was carrying 50 to 60 listings at a time and selling maybe one every two weeks. It was brutal. I was watching divorces happen right in front of me. Everyone I know losing their ass and it didn't matter what you invested in, you were losing your money. And uh and it was really brutal, but I got through that and now it's like, I worked my way through that. And so like, I'm not afraid of anything. It's like, bring it on. I didn't have any of the resources I have now, the relationships I have now, but I built myself as the asset, right? Yep. So like these kids right now, they just came out with, you know, they're going to forgive some of the debt of their college or whatever. And it's like, that's fine. Like good for them. I don't have any animosity towards it. I, I don't think it's a good idea. And the only reason why is because you rob people of the satisfaction of actually paying off their college or paying for college or doing those yeah. things. Like, and I know people are like, well, it's easy for you to say you have privilege and all this. And it's like, I'm not unaware of my privilege, but I also like paid for everything. I worked for that because, and, and by the way, it's okay. Like if you want to have a mediocre life, like excellence is not for everybody. It's right. really not. Right. If you want to have a mediocre life, go be mediocre. Great. But if you want to have an excellent life, you have to work for it. Yeah. And part of that is paying off your college. Part of that is paying to go to get education or, you know, coaching or whatever it might be. And so ultimately if you give people things, yeah, it might be easier for them, but easier is not better. Like all the people I look up to, all the people that inspire me, that ad I admire have had to work for every inch and they've worked their asses off to get wherever they are. So there's this misconception that if I can make it easier for you, it's going to make your life better. And it's the opposite. You know, that's the trials and the, the work that you have to put in that helps you become excellent. And so it's at the detriment of the person to make their life easier. And that sucks because we want to help people. We want to love people. And it's, I don't think the people that are making these decisions are doing it out of a bad spot. Like I think that they're trying to truly be helpful, but ultimately they're empowering working less They're empowering the wrong things. And it's going to be at the detriment of those people. Yep. Yeah. You can make very bad decisions from a very good heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree more. I, I ended up out on my own at 16 um, in rough, rough conditions and like shy and insecure and afraid and broke and ignorant. And, and I had to fight for it. And now you know, those were horrible, lonely, like they were tough years. Looking back, I'm like, man, I'm grateful for that. Of course. Yeah. I mean, so I always say with like, happened. I always say with the rough years of my life, I'm like, I wouldn't want to do it again, but I'm really glad I did it. <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. <laughs> because it changes you. And, and well, the thing I heard you say was like, once you push through that grind, that really tough spot that you don't want to be in, but you have no other alternative to push through on the other side of that, you're like, okay, I can do hard things. 
Yeah. You become the asset. It's yeah. all of a sudden you're not afraid of anything anymore. Yeah. And then you get to the point, like, you know, in Norway recently, you start embracing the suck. It's like, yeah. All right, a little bit of yeah. goodness. No, I mean, it was literally, we, we had parked our car on a Friday afternoon in this parking garage. Keep in mind, we're driving all over the country. And this was the one time when it, you know, it came up and it was funny because we parked in this parking garage, went to our Airbnb, didn't think of it. We go the next day to get our car the next morning, six in the morning, cause we're gonna do a hike to, um, uh, to pulpit rock, which is one of the coolest hikes in the world. And our, we realized we parked in a government building that is shut down and locked down for the weekend. This is a rental car. We're a thousand miles from where we need to be <laughs> for the next, you know, two days from now or 600 miles, whatever. And I'm like, Oh no. And like, there's no way in this building. We've tried everything. We're, we're two hours in and like, and we just started brainstorming and like, so like I rented another car. We were just going to call the company and, you know, I, I go to pick up the other car rental and my buddy Cameron had been working on it too. He somehow got a hold of these security guys and they came and opened it for us. And two and a half hours later, we were on the road and he, you know, I was like, bro, I'm like, I was telling him, I'm like, I'm so glad you were here because you figured it out, dude. I'm like, I'm always the one that has to figure it out. And I figured out my own way. I was just going to get another car, like bag it. We'll get the shit later. And uh, and he's like, dude, he's like, that was where he was like, dude, like you just having the attitude that you did. And my other two friends did too. It's like, because that could have ruined everything. If you had the wrong people with you, all hell would have broke loose. Yep. I can't believe you parked here. Why don't you read the sign? Blah, blah, blah. Wow. And all of us were just kind of like, YOLO, let's make it happen. You know, and and so it became this really funny part of the trip. And, and instead of needing to be this thing that wrecked our day, I mean, literally two and a half hours later, we're on the hike. Yeah. Going back in it. I love that. Hey, let's, let's switch gears here to like some like tangible things. Maybe you do day in and day out. What, what are you, you already mentioned some of your rituals, some of the routines. What are some of the things that like keep you, I guess, centered? I was going to say balanced, but balanced isn't, doesn't always work, but centered, uh, efficient, effective. Like what, yeah, are you, no, what are you I, doing that works for you? So I think the most important thing that uh, every man needs is they need a, a sense of community guys that they can count on to like, just be able to talk to. Yeah. I have, you know, my group of buddies that were so close and I can call them about anything and there's never judgment. There's never an agenda. It's just, they just got me like they're my guys and they would do anything for me and I would do the same for them. So like if something funny happens, they're the first one I call. Like I saw a TikTok today. It was so funny. And I was like, immediately texted it to all three of them. We're just dying. Like having that sense of community. It's the reason why I started We Are The They because a lot of men feel alone, whether they're married, single or whatever. They're just, there's not this place where they've feel like they've been seen and then not judged for it. And so, you know, and so I think finding a community is a really important thing. And I stay very grounded within myself. I have my friends since I was young and I have friends that I've met just recently but, you know, I, I connect, I have a list. So my assistant actually emails me five people every day. And it's those are the five people I'm going to call and talk to that are friends of mine. Fantastic. And that just rotates through. Yeah. So that's one thing that I do um, is I just contact people every day. And so like when I'm not sure what to do, I got 15 minutes before an appointment or I got 10 minutes, I'm stuck in traffic or I'm literally going to the bathroom, whatever it might be. I'll call one of those people on the list and have that conversation. Um, and it just, you know, it's really fun to stay top of mind. And then I'm also, I start each day with a prayer and I say like, God lead me to the people that need me today. And so I feel like my life's guided. So when something does happen, so let's say we lock the car in the garage, I'm like, well, for whatever reason, this was part of my plan for today that God has for me. And I'm able to accept that. And so having that prayer, you know, you start looking for what's going right or what opportunities are there. Um, you know, having a gratitude list, I do do gratitude and affirmations and meditation, all that stuff every day. And I don't have like some rich, 
like schedule where it has to be done exactly at this time. Like I do, I've been wanting to wake up earlier, um, for years and, uh, just didn't have a motivation. I mean, I was getting up at, you know, seven 30, most days, but I said, no, I should be getting up at six 45. And so what I did is with my coaching group, a lot of the guys live here locally. And so every day I have a coaching client that shows up at my door at 7am and we go for a walk. And so I do a 45 minute oh, walk yeah. with one of my guys to start yeah. every single day. Fantastic. And so it's awesome. Yeah. Like the guy yesterday, you know, he's going through some major issues with his marriage and things. And I was able to just be there and talk him through it. And, you know, then the guy today, he just wanted to connect. We'd never met in person yet. And he actually drove about an hour and a half to come have that walk with me this morning, but every single day, starting it with nature and you see the sunrise coming over the mountain. And, um, it's just a great way to start the day, but doing these things, you know, I, 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 people always say like, man, you're everywhere. You're doing all this different stuff, but I do a really good job of taking care of myself. Um, I have my green drink in the morning. I have my breakfast. I make sure I do my meditation. Um, I, I just take care of myself. I, I make sure that I'm doing what I want to do. And by doing that, it allows me to show up and hold space for so many other people. I think the mistake that a lot of people feel like they have to be a martyr to make a difference. And that's not the case. Not like the my case. life is freaking awesome, you know? And like two days ago, I decided I want to go. The Indians are my favorite baseball team. They're playing the Padres. And I was trying not to care this year because I got so much going on, but they're in first place and they weren't <laughs> supposed to be the youngest team in baseball. So I'm like, you know what? Bag it. So I had this woman that I'd been hanging out with. So I flew down to San Diego. We went to the game on Tuesday night. Um, you know, the next morning went with my buddy, Mike, that lives in San Diego to the day game. And then I flew home. It was like literally less than 24 hours. I just on a dime went and did it. But like, I did that for me. I just wanted to go enjoy that. And, and so I take care of myself always first, you know, and I, I find ways to um, always be looking to serve other people, but it's never at my own expense. And I've gotten really good at saying no to things I don't want to do. And so if it's, you know, something that doesn't help me like this podcast, I'll be honest, like I get asked to be on so many podcasts now and, and I had to look up and see what you're all about. I checked out some episodes because I used to just say yes to everything. It's like, honestly, I don't want to give, I mean, you see, I come with full energy. I'm going to give my all to this podcast, to your guests, to your listeners. And I don't want to do that if it's not going to be something that I think if you haven't put the time and effort in to build an audience, if you haven't put the time and effort in to research me correctly and do your part, then you don't get me, you know, and yeah. I'm very good at that. I'm very good at telling people no, like all the time and I get in trouble for it and people will be mad at me. But at the end of the day, every time you say yes to something you don't want to do, you're saying no to a lot of other things that you should have been doing. So if I say yes to a podcast, I don't want to do, for example, I said no to doing my own podcast. I said no to hang out with my friends. I said no to being with my family. I said no to, you know, learning or building my company, whatever it might be. And so you just have to get really good at building those boundaries and understanding that it is a form of love to have a boundary around you yes. really strongly. Yeah, man. Again, simple self-care then service. Yeah. And you got to take care of yourself. Get up the boundaries and guard that. Yeah. I love that. All right. What's, uh, what's, what's not working. What are you seeing? Um, from people, I mean, you're traveling all the place, you're in business, you're speaking, you're coaching, you're all of this. What's, What's not working and what, what kind of stands out? Is there anything that stands out like kind of blatantly like, Hey man, that's just not working for people. Yeah. There's two things that I see that I think really screw people up. And number one is playing victim. Um, yes. The problem that we have in today's society is so many people are telling you you're a victim. I, I love listening to people um, from the black community that are like, Hey, quit telling us that we need all these handouts. Quit telling us we're broken. Quit telling us we have all these issues. 
and you know, white people can't say anything about it. It's not our issue, but like those people get it and you understand all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a lot of people that benefit by keeping us down and helping us feel like victims yeah. or women have this thing now and LBGT and all these different people. And here's the problem. Here's the sad part of the whole thing. They are victims. Like there is disadvantages in a lot of these t t cases, but the problem is, and Tony Robbins says this so beautifully, he said, you know, like, for example, he talks to women that have been sexually assaulted or something like that. And he says, look, here's the, the sad reality is you are a victim yep. and it doesn't serve you to stay in that space. And yeah. so ultimately, no matter what's happened, everybody has a story. Everybody has things that hold them back. Everybody has a reason to uh, be a victim. But if you live in that space and you live in that energy, it's going to be at your detriment. And so one of my messages that I'm very strong about is just helping people empower them like, hey, you are a victim and you don't have to live there anymore. You don't have to stay in that place or in that space. Let's get you past it. Let's work past that issue so that you don't have that you know, holding you back anymore. So I think that's the first thing I see that holds people back. Like You see people that are blaming, they go on Twitter, or, you know, the social media, and they literally will blame every single person for their issues in life. And it's like, it's really not the president's fault that your life sucks. Like it, it, there's things that he might be doing that you don't like that might be affecting your life on some little level, but ultimately you control the outcome of your life. And if you think that who the governor is or who that, you know, like even COVID I had when COVID first, this was a good lesson for me because I fell victim to it for just a few months. I was so pissed about the response to COVID and the shutdowns. Yep. I mean, Jimmy Rex was not made for a COVID world, dude. I love to travel. I love to be with people. Like, hey, bro. I like, was like, that was, that was my hell, dude. And for a couple of months, I was really fighting it. And a buddy of mine said, he said, hey, Jimmy, true power is accepting every situation as it is and not wishing it was any different. And I was like, shit. And so instead of being victim to it, instead of feeling like a victim, like, why did this happen? This sucks. People are so stupid. They need to wake up. I said, hold on, how is this the greatest opportunity of my entire life? Yeah. And for years, I'd been trying to slow down. For years, I'd been trying to get out of real estate and into you know, something else I wanted to do more passion. And it was like, it took, it literally took a, uh, a pandemic. It took the entire world. I was never gonna slow down. The world had to stop for me to actually slow down. And that's when I spawned the idea for We Are The They. That's when yeah. I spawned this idea for everything I'm doing now, which is by far and away my favorite thing I've ever done. And so all of a sudden I said, Jimmy, this is an opportunity for you to shine, to rise up, to lead that you never would have had before. And so instead of being this thing that just was driving me insane, it, I saw it as a gift and I, I saw the gift in COVID and what it was. And so you know, I get it. I've been in that space. I'm telling you, I was so mad about it. I had trips planned to Greece and Morocco and Antarctica and all sorts of shit that I had to cancel, you know? Hey, and, man. uh, but anyway, and so that's one thing. And then I think the other thing that I see is people just get caught up too much with the news and the media. Um, you know, the news's job is to make every issue your issue. And we were never wired for that. Like we have this reptilian mind, right? Like we were born in a time where you literally had, you were supposed to worry about about five things. Where's my next meal coming from? How do I stay warm tonight? How's my family doing? How do I protect us tonight? And this was like for thousands and millions of years, this was the human mind. And then all of a sudden, it's like you have to worry about Every. Th this war in Ukraine and the African lions and the people of Somalia and the freaking the homeless people and the this and that and that. And it's like you're not supposed to have all these concerns and worries. We don't have the bandwidth to actually withstand all that. And so when you're watching the news, you think the world's going to shit. You think it's all negativity um, because that's what drives the news. But if you actually quit watching the news, you quit paying attention to that. 
and you just go out and you talk to people and you experiment with, you know, like life and actually go explore. Like you would think if you just watch the news that America is the most hated place all over the world. I've been to 92 countries everywhere I have been. They still have a reverence and a respect for the freedom that America stands for. And maybe it's the ideal of America. Maybe it's America itself. But when Hong Kong is fighting for freedom, there's a reason they fly the American flag. They don't show you that on the news. Right. Like th these different things that happen. So if you only watch the news, you'd think that America is the most hated place on earth. I'm telling you, I've been in 92 countries. I've never had a bad experience. And I'm sure people have, but I have it. Like 98% of the time, people are so excited to talk to you because we still have a life of freedom. And people, you know, this younger generation, I, you know, I'm, I don't sound like the freaking old guy right now, but they, <laughs> I think that there is a level of like, they don't understand like just how great they have it. And because like it's, it's never been easier to be alive, never in the history of mankind than in the last 25 years in the United States of America. There's literally been so few problems and so few issues, economic, war, everything else. I mean, everything has been pretty damn easy. So we start creating all these problems because at our core, we as people need adversity. We want variety in our life. We need yes. to fight against something. And so instead of having real issues, we're fighting over if boys can use women's bathrooms and shit like that. And at the end of the day, all that it is, is people need more adversity in their life. And because it's just been so good here, we start taking that for granted. But so I guess my, my message to that is, is like, get outside of the news, quit watching the media, media, quit letting them tell you what to be outraged about. Yep. Like they're going to tell you what you're supposed to be mad about. And it's shocking how quickly people fall for it. Absolutely. And so instead of watching that and being mad all day, just go out and spread goodness and see that the world actually is a pretty damn beautiful place. Exactly. Your whole world changes just by breaking away from from the drama and, and the negativity exactly right so powerful awesome brother so so good um let's just wrap up right there to because i you know protect respect your time what uh where can people connect with you where can they find you I know you got your podcast you got your your coaching group where where can people connect with you yeah the best place for people to find me is on my instagram which is mr jimmy rex i post everything on my story and my posts on that and so that would be where i would love for people to go and I reach out um, all the time to anybody, sorry, anybody that reaches out to me, I, I, I respond to them. If you have a real question, I always respond accordingly. And so happy to answer any questions for anybody. If you're going through something, if I can help in any way, if something I said maybe inspired you. And then, you know, again, like my coaching program, I post on there, my book, my podcast, it's all shared through my Instagram. Um, you can also go to um, mrjimmyrex.com uh, and find all my stuff there as well. Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you sharing sharing this whole journey with us and and man thanks for being i, I love to say this because thanks for being like a go-getter a, a force of nature just plowing through life and what's my like, other option be a loser right exactly <laughs> so thanks for being that because then we all sit back and be like you know what i can too and yeah. i think that's the message i, I want to share with everyone listening He's like you can too man yeah well I, I grew up with a father that was like you know squashed my dream of being a professional baseball player pretty quick and I'm friends with several hundred professional athletes now, and we weren't that far away. Yeah. Like it was a lot closer to the dream than it, he made it seem like it was. And so like, I just tell everybody, I'm like, like my old nephew wants to be a pro baseball player. And I, I was interviewing Ozzie Smith, you know, Hall of Fame shortstop on my podcast the other day. And, and uh, afterwards I had to make a video for my nephew and just saying, Hey man, I heard you want to be a major league baseball player. Here's what it takes. And, and you got this, you know, I just wanted him to inspire him because Cause that really is like most people are closer to their dream than they think. And if you honestly just give it all your effort and like burn the bridge, throw your hat over the fence, like you'll make it happen yeah. um, regardless of what it is. I love it. Awesome. Thanks brother. Thanks for being on here. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. Greg.